Hello, everyone. Hope you're having a great day. My name is Eric Hanna, and I help forward-thinking business leaders deliver agile, people-centric employee benefits. You know, we talk a lot about helping individuals or employees improve their health and manage their health care. And if individuals enjoy optimal health, then they can, and they are more likely to perform and feel their best, right? And so the next step from there is, how do we take a group of well-performing individuals and help them thrive as a team? And this is where our next guest comes in. So I'm really excited about this conversation. Uh, Josh Block is also passionate about people. He's president at Block Imaging and a keynote speaker for People Matter at Work. Josh, thanks for joining. Thanks, man. It's good to be with you. Yeah, do you mind, uh, before we get into the topic, uh, you mind sharing a little bit about you know, your role at Block Imaging and how or why you started consulting and speaking on team development? Yeah, it's, uh, so I'm president of our organization. We have two, two senior leaders here who guide the culture of our team. And when I was thinking about our conversation, uh, just reflecting back on, on my work in my teen years, and really enjoying work, uh, thinking entrepreneurship was just such a cool thing. And over the years, just this, this, what's really struck me is this idea that the case of the Mondays, or when you think of like Friday being the, the, the popping of the cork of the weekend, is why if we spend so much time uh, with our coworkers doing the work that we do, do we struggle so much? Do we, do we dislike our peers? Do we feel disrespected in our work? And so one of the things that has just driven me as a leader is this idea of like reshaping work that, that people would love what they do, that people would feel challenged and thrive in working together as a team. And so then from there, uh, we have conferences in our industry. And so from time to time, there'd be an opportunity to, to speak. And so I put in a few applications early on and didn't think much of it and just sharing stories. And little by little, people came up and there was like this malnourishment in the area of leadership. And so people would come up and just say like, I want more of that. Like I want, I need to be encouraged and equipped as a leader. And so that has little by little, we've just kept walking through the door of trying to help people uh, in the realm of leadership because it's, it's so complex, it's so layered, it's so difficult and there's no manual. And yet how can we just help people a little bit in shaping uh, thriving team cultures. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, what, what kind of brought us together on, on our conversation today was you posted a blog uh, that was called The Power of the 85% Rule. And what really struck me about the blog is that, you know, team development often starts with the leader looking at the mirror, at their habits, their ability to manage change or when something new comes around. And I think that to your point is the part of the vacuum. Um, we're often looking at the outside things and rather than sort of looking in that mirror first. Um, you know, do you mind talking a little about what is the 85% rule? Sure. So this is from uh, this is from a podcast with Hugh Jackman, where he actually talks about Carl Lewis, who wins, I think he won 10 gold medals. And he was often behind at like 40 and 50 meters. And yet he closed the gap. And what they found is that he ran with a steadiness where everyone else is kind of gripping and their muscles are getting tense toward the end that he ran with a looseness that allowed him to, to win over and over and over and close the gap from meter 80 to 100 per se. And so that, has, that story has really impacted and I've just been practicing myself. What does it look like to operate at 85%? And that could be uh, how full your schedule is, um, but there's almost this posture. We, we, we live in a culture that's never been more busy 
and yet never more bored. And so that's just such a unique dynamic is like, how can I, how can I set myself up so that when something doesn't go as I'd expect, maybe a meeting goes longer or the other yesterday I was coming to work and I, I was really low on gas. And there was this thought of like, if you're at 110%, stopping and getting gas is like, I don't have this 10 minutes. I, I want to get to work. I want to get off and running. And yet this 85% has said like, it's okay. You're not, you're not that important. Your time is not that significant that you need to get off and running like this. Just 85%, like drive up to the gas pump, fill it just like everybody else fills their tank and go to work. And it's really changed even just when we're sitting in a job interview, when we're sitting in a coaching session, it's almost an attitude and a mindset as much as it is anything. And so it's really just something over the last couple of months that I've been practicing myself. And it's been fun to feel the difference between living at 110%. I'm so busy. I've got way too much. My email box is full and just saying like, Hey, I'm going to fill myself to 85% and leave space for time with kids filling up a gas tank or when something adverse happens in my day, you know? Yeah. And you know, today, you know, with, uh, all the change that's around us um, and challenges, uh, it, it becomes really hard to pivot if you're maxed out. There's no room when that next new thing comes about. So that makes a ton of sense. Um, so, you know, in your conversations with leaders uh, and maybe within your organi own organization, you know, what are you seeing as some of those biggest leadership challenges right now to, as it relates to help, helping support your team you know, is it stress? Is it capacity? Is it staying connected? You know, what sort of things are out there? Yeah, boy, that's, a, yes, there's a lot. I mean, we're just in such a unique time. Uh, the word that, that comes to mind is just leaders who make thoughtful decisions. Mm -hmm. And thoughtfuls like this, they've considered lots of the factors, like the outcomes, and then they've also cared for the, the needs of people. And so there's these two pieces, like I understand the impact of my decision on our team or on our customers or whoever it is, and I also am caring for the needs of those people. And so for me, it's like, what does a thoughtful decision look like or sound like or feel like? Because we've all been a part of an organization where someone makes a decision and you're just thinking, where did this, I, you, you would have made a better decision if you had just taken a dice, put six options on it and just rolled it on the table. And that's a terrible feeling. It leads to fear and insecurity and doubt. And so how can we as leaders just seek to take an extra moment with our extra 15% and then just say, like, who are the stakeholders? Who's impacted by our healthcare plan? Who's impacted by our renewal? Who's impacted by us hiring a new team member into their area and really seeking to make thoughtful decisions is something that's on my radar as much now as ever in light of a pandemic, in light of a political season, in light of, of racial tension like we haven't seen in a very long time. It's really a, a, an important time when we have all this yelling on social media for us to stop and just make thoughtful decisions as leaders. Yeah, and to your earlier point, uh, because we're busy doesn't necessarily mean we're productive. For sure. We have new tasks and sometimes those don't move the ball down the field and we're both sports guys. That's right. Um, and so I think, you know, kind of managing those pieces and understanding what does move the ball down the field versus my schedule's full. And so it's full of, tasks that, that don't necessarily um, you know, add additional value, right? So, so in some ways separate, separating you know, those sort of um, high value um, places to put your energy, I think make a, a big difference. Sure. 
Yeah. Um, so how do you drill that down, you know, in your organization? Um, you know, how do you manage expectations with, with other leaders within your company or as you consult with, with those leaders? Sure. Yeah. I mean, right now um, we're just launching something called Block You Lead, which for us is just opening the doorway for other leaders to, to learn and grow and be sharpened and develop. So that's something that we're taking on within our culture because we realize that our lid uh, is entirely set by our ability to develop leaders. Like if, if we can't do that, what happens is you just have a cult of personality and everything rises and falls on the one leader. And ultimately that's just not something that's sustainable nor scalable. And so that's one thing, but probably the, the non like formal way is just leading yourself well, is like starting with myself. What are the things that I do? Am I reading? Am I learning? And then ultimately, uh, two words that we've been talking a lot are, are about inviting and challenging people. So like, if you don't challenge people, you have a cozy culture. And, and ultimately, if you don't invite them into something, they, we start to have a discouraged culture. And so how do we have an empowered culture where people are, are realize what we believe is possible in them, inviting them and challenging them and seeing them rise to the occasion is something that we've really been working on as an organization. And I can see team members saying like, yeah, I want to be challenged. I want to be challenged. I want to be challenged. Oh, that's great. That's great. And inspiring that kind of culture and, uh, you know, growth mindset maybe is, is, uh, is key for that to then trickle down through the rest of the organization, right? Sure. So what do you, what are you thinking? Uh, what do you, what do you see, you know, especially during this time of lots of, uh, you know, upheaval that is separating those effective leaders, uh, during a crisis from, from those that maybe struggle to adapt? Yeah, that's really good. Um, the, 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 the two words, and again, I know I keep going to like axioms, but they are really what form and shape our decisions daily is we have to be stabilizers. Like in, in March and April and May and moving through a time like this, uh, even a political season where we're going into an incredibly divisive election is how do we bring stability? Like in the midst of, I was laughing, just thinking about our conversation today, Fox News and CNN are one channel apart on my cable, right? So like you can click, it's almost a, it's kind of a sick social experiment, but I'll just click back and forth sometimes to just kind of listen to that like, Really, the, there's so much fear being presented, fear of the other uh, and whatever that other looks like. And so for us as leaders, how do we stabilize, but not stabilize so much that we're not also being catalytic? Like an organization with total stability where we're just creating kind of a hot tub isn't really what we want. But if we're only catalyzing, just take the next hill, take the next hill, take the next hill, we create an unstable organization. And so how do we, how do we stir the pot enough that we're, we're taking the next hill, we're chasing dreams, uh, we're creating and doing things that are proactive, and yet not so much that we forget that there's a stability that's needed when people are nervous about loved ones and have underlying health issues and are unsure of what the media is feeding uh, and the governmental choices and all those sorts of things. And so being a catalyst and also being a stabilizer has been really helpful in this season. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know, I think to, to dovetail with those two points, I think leaders that flex those muscles regularly in and out of crisis are the ones that when you hit that next crisis uh, are able to adapt and, and use those 
you know, uh, tools that, that you just mentioned uh, more consistently. I think that's the that's part of the race to your original um, uh, Carl Lewis anecdote that you start to separate farther down the track, not necessarily the highest top speed. Yeah. You can't get your top speed during crisis. So spreading yeah. that out over the longer term and have it become part of the regular cadence seems to separate those um, individuals as well. Sure. Sure. So, you know, what are some tactical steps that leaders uh, could take to be able to balance those two steps that you just mentioned? Yeah. Sure. The, the first is, uh, is to communicate. And there is so much hidden Leaders, there's some propensity. I don't know if it makes us feel powerful or important or what it is, but the people can't handle the, the information. And that could be about financial results. That could be about uh, challenges we're facing in the marketplace or whatever type of organization you're in. And yet the reality is people are just saying like, we can handle the information. Like if you trust us with the information, we will be trustworthy. If you don't trust us with the information, we're not sure whether we can trust you. And so that whole piece of like communicating, and that could be regarding uh, our response to the pandemic. That could be regarding uh, what we need to do as an organization to address this issue or that. But communicating there, when I think about the things that are actually important to keep confidential, it's pretty limited. I mean, sure, there are a few areas in the, in the healthcare arena, compensation, there are some of those sorts of things that, that, that just aren't helpful, but otherwise, as we have shared more and more information, it has been awesome and, and, and just uh, inspiring to see our team rise to the occasion and just say, and actually use that information to move the company forward as opposed to just, uh, to just listening and moving on with their day. That's probably, the, that's probably the first. I don't know that I have a, a second one, but I'd say just communicating people. I just yeah. interviewed a, a, a gentleman the other day and he said, do you guys have like, uh, do you have meetings where you kind of share how the company's doing? And I said, yeah, we have a monthly all team meeting where we share, uh, we share financial results and we share who's, who's coming on board and all sorts of things. And he was just like, wow, that's really great. I used to be part of a team that does that. I'm part of a company that doesn't tell us anything anymore. And I just really would like to know how things are going on. And so that really stirred me and spurred me on toward like us continuing to communicate the information that people need to take ownership of their roles. Yeah, if, if uh, communication is, is your top tip, what I'm also hearing in there is transparency. So yeah. it's not just about telling or talking, it's about being open and vulnerable and authentic and transparent. Um, I think I saw a um, TED talk or you know, a video from Simon Sinek who talked about transparency doesn't mean you have to unload everything. Sure. It means you need to give the right information to help people, people feel like it's stable and that there's a plan and, and have that trust that you spoke about before. So I think that's huge. Well, Josh, I really appreciate you joining. This has been excellent. Um, where can someone find your contact information, blog, uh, if they're interested in talking to you more about consulting or leadership talks? Yeah, so peoplematteratwork.com is, we're, we're right in the process of relaunching. Uh, and so you can go there and uh, I'm, uh, myself or a member of our team is posting a couple times weekly on new content to just stir the leader in you. So peoplematteratwork.com is the best place to go. And hopefully you're encouraged and equipped as a leader by viewing the content. Great. Well, thanks, Josh. Appreciate you coming on. This was great. Thanks, Eric. Have a great day. And thanks, everybody, for joining us. Have a great day. Take care.